stopped off at verse 4. I want to read verse 5 through 8. It says that uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him act in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And this is in the context of Brother, count it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's in the context of that. And James is the Lord's brother. So we remember, he grew up with Jesus. You imagine growing up with Jesus? Trying to tell him a lie about something. And he said, I knew he was going to say that before the foundation of the world. Matter of fact, before you was even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you was going to do that. So imagine growing up with Jesus as your, your brother, Jesus as your friend, Jesus as the one who would be, you know, seeing your face every day. You're growing up with the one who is God. You know, even, it says in John 7, 5, it says, even his brothers didn't believe in him. But he didn't believe in him. And here James writes to the diaspora, those who are scattered abroad, those believers who would have been in Jerusalem, would have been worshiping in Jerusalem, persecution arise, maybe during the time when Stephen was, you know, martyred and so forth. And this is Saul of Tarsus, of Cilicia. He made havoc of the church, and the church was scattered abroad. And James seen the church scattered like seed that would sprout up. You know, because wherever believers are scattered, God's word is magnified and multiplied. So when we leave here today, everybody's going to be scattered in a different direction. And as we witness and share Jesus Christ, wherever we are, you know what happens? God's word is magnified and multiplied. And James saw the scattering as something as common. You know, he says, my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing or the trying of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we can trust God in trials, he told us. You can trust God in trials, and we can rest assured that when we are in trials, if we trust God in the trial, we are strengthened in the trial. We strengthen. And now James is going to go on to encourage his readers, you know, of this letter and us to pray for wisdom, but not with undivided, you know, undivided faith, not not doubting, not vacillating, not going back and forth. Don't pray for something and then worry about it. Oh, we prayed, we prayed, and then you're still worrying about it. You know, the majority of people in the church pray and worry at the same time. Pray and worry at the same time. Jesus says, look, the, the birds, they don't sow or anything. You, your heavenly father feed them. They don't even worry. You ever heard of bird knocking your door? Excuse me, you got any leftover bread? And that won't happen. 
And so James says, no, are we doubtful people? Are you a doubtful person? Are we, do we question God in trials? Do we fall apart in trials? And he says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He said, pray. He said, if anyone lacks wisdom, because James would have known what wisdom really looked like. You know, living and growing up with, in the same house with Jesus, he would have known what wisdom looked like. You know, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus, you know, grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. Later on in Jesus' ministry, it says that when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Jesus grew in wisdom. If anybody lacks wisdom... Wisdom is a good thing. He says, acts. This is the first imperative in the book of James. You know, in James, he got at least 54 imperatives, you know, about 60 counting, you know, these hypotheticals. He is like, you know, these are like directives in a sense. You know, these are not suggestions. It's imperative in the mood. He says, acts, acts, you know, acts, present tense, acts, keep acting. If you don't have wisdom, keep asking. In the midst of a trial, you need wisdom. You need to ask God, Lord, what are you doing, Lord? Look, I want to I know, Lord. Teach me how to act. Because you know we can flip out in trials and not look spiritual. You know, so he said, ask. Ask. God, who do you ask? Let him ask of God. It's prayer. We can pray, ask God for wisdom, and he hears that prayer. I think about King Solomon, when he was king, a tender king. You know, some say he was as young as 19 when he took the throne. He reigned for 40 years. Some said he died as young as 59 years old. I don't know. But Solomon, David's son, he asked the Lord, he says, give your servant understanding and understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, you read about wisdom. Wisdom is always personified in the feminine, you know, she is the word Sophia. We get the word Sophia. You get the word philosophy from that word. You get the word sophistication from that word. Sophia, wisdom. He, you know, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is the shield to those who walk uprightly. God gives wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. He gives wisdom. You want wisdom? You ask God. You know, Job, I believe Solomon would borrow from Job because some say Job was the first book in the Bible written. You know, Solomon would borrow from him. But in Job 28, 28, the end of that verse, at the end of the verse, Job said, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. To fear the Lord is wisdom. To fear the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. Isn't that something? Because Solomon were right late on in Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? You can ask. You can ask for wisdom. Wisdom begins with a healthy reverence for God. And for those who know Jesus Christ, our wisdom is through our communion and relationship and obedience to Jesus Christ. That's our wisdom. It comes in our communion to Christ and loving his word and living his word out in our life. And, obey, and obeying him. You know, because remember Paul wrote the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, um, the first chapter, verse 30. He said that who became wisdom for us, speaking of Christ. That he is our wisdom. So James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, pray to God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, notice, and it will be given to him. The Lord Jesus Christ promised, you know, us in the midst of trials. He promised his disciples in the midst of trials that he could give us, the, you know, the words of wisdom. He promised that. In hardships and in hard times, you know, we need wisdom. I don't know about you. It's good to have wisdom. You know, Jesus would tell his disciples in Luke chapter 21, he says, Therefore settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all of your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. He said, I'll give you wisdom. You want wisdom? You ask of the Lord. How many of y'all need wisdom? I need it every single day in every part of my life. You know, because wisdom can't be resisted. You know, nobody can resist wisdom. Only a fool despises wisdom. You know, when Stephen stood before that Sanhedrin and, you know, they got so mad at him, they, you know, they stoned him, really. But it says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. They were not able to resist his wisdom. So if we know and understand our Bibles and the word of God is lived out in our life, then we grow in wisdom and in faith. Then we grow. And we learn how wisdom is, you know, knowledge is passed over into wisdom in a sense. That now later on, James is going to say in the same book, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Somebody got wisdom, they got meekness. And their conduct is appropriate. Later on, he's going to say in, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. And notice he'll say at the end of that, and without hypocrisy. This good wisdom is from above. It's from above. And if anybody in this room lacks wisdom, you can ask, you can pray to God, say, Lord, give me wisdom, Lord. Give me wisdom, and he'll give it to you freely, liberally, and without reproach. He won't hold back, and it will be given to him, James says. But in the next verse, he gives us the condition we must meet in order to receive this wisdom in our trials. It's conditional, because it's a conjunction that donates contrast, but let them ask. Let them ask in faith. Let them ask in faith because 
if faith is not alongside of it, nothing's going to come out good about it. I can guarantee you that. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says, if you're going to ask, ask in faith. Ask in faith. Don't ask and then start worrying again. Oh, I asked the Lord. I'm in a trial. I asked the Lord. Oh, boy. And, and make these hasty decisions. And then later on say, Lord, I should have never did that. Because the trial will always tempt you to make a hasty decision. Well, always the greatest temptation that the enemy can throw us in a trial is a hasty decision. And here James says, look. Let them act in faith, or her, or she, or him. You know, act in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts, you know, the word doubt is the origin of that word, is the French word, um, doter, which means to dread. It comes from the word that means to dread, to fear, or be afraid. And then when it's translated into Latin, is debutir, and it means to question, to hesitate, waver in opinion, having two minds, undecided between two things. It's a doubting person. He says, you want to ask in faith, he says, with no doubting, for he who doubts, and this is what a doubting person looked like. Is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wave. It doesn't say waves with an S, the wave. One, just one wave. You know, one wind, not the winds, but, you know, tossed by the wind, single. Single wind. And this wave, singular. Like a one wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, period. That's it. Not the winds, not the waves with an S, wave. That, that, that person waves are, un, you know, waves are unstable and they're unpredictable. A wavy Christian. You ever met somebody? I'm not talking about wavy air. No, a wavy Christian. A wavy Christian is a doubting Christian. Always doubting God. Those who can't make their minds up. And this is because of a lack of faith in God. This describes many people in the church today. They just back and forth with decisions. You can't make a decision. Can't come to grips about a decision. Can get on our knees before the Lord. And, say, and look, communion with God, he speaks to our hearts. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about something greater than the, the hearing. Something that, that goes to the heart gate, not the ear gate. With the Lord, you know when the Lord's saying, nope, don't do that. You know it. Those who doubt God's ways and his method and, and God's sovereignty are like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Always doubting God. I'll always make up a verse that's not even in the Bible to try to justify the decision making. God helps those who help themselves. That's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. No, no, we live, the just don't live by feelings, the just, the Bible says live by faith. And if you live by your feelings, you'll always vacillate. You will always go back and forth. They hurt my feelings, I ain't coming at all. 
as immaturity. James chapter 1 is about being a mature Christian. And so people treat you based on how they feel about you. That's not the Christian life. If that's the case, Jesus would have never had Judas with him. I feel like he's going to betray me, you know, in about three weeks. He chose them so the scriptures could be fulfilled. He's more concerned about God's plan than how he felt. Remember when Peter walked out of the boat, it says, Jesus comes to the disciples walking in the water. Could you imagine seeing somebody walk on water? And I remember in the YMCA, we used to have this, all this space to do altar calls. So we do altar calls every week. We have these huge altar calls. People would come and pray, you know, and, you know, hopefully they would pray to receive Christ. They would just pray and make a public profession and a confession, hopefully. And I remember this one guy came to the altar. I'll never forget he had a long black coat, like chef. And he came to the altar moonwalking backwards, you know. I always liked that picture, you know, and then Richard tried to shut him down, say, hey, turn around, and he pulled out this big spray bottle and started spraying water on him, you know. <laughs> i never forget that. But remember when Jesus came walking in the water, and then Peter was in the boat, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He said, bid me to come, and Peter gets out of the boat, and he started, starts walking on water. And it says that when the wind became boisterous, that he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. He says, he saw the wind. You can't see the wind. He saw the effects of the wind. And he said, save me. And the Lord did save him. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, oh, ye little of faith, why did you doubt? He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why do we doubt God? If the man who came to you walking on water, this is the son of God, the son of man walking on water, God and man walking on water. You get out of the boat, you're walking on water. There's nothing to doubt. But we start looking around and it began to sink. What are you doubting today about God in the midst of your trial? What do you doubt about God? You don't think he can do it? He can do it. What are you doubting? Sometimes we don't have to backslide. Sometimes we can front slide. We can go before what God is doing. We go before him and start our own plans. Because visual people always want to figure it out. They always got to figure it out. They just got to always, let me figure this out. They got to look like this. They got, you know, they want to figure these things out. What are you doubting God for today? Look, the promises of God may take years sometime in our life. Look, Abraham, we've been studying the life of Abraham. It took him 25 years to have Isaac. And in the 25th year, God tells Abraham, take thy son, thy only son, whom you love, Isaac, and offer him up as a sacrifice. As a burnt offering. And Abraham believed that God was able not to just raise him from the dead. People missed that part. He believed that God was able to raise him from the ashes. He didn't waver one bit. Isaac said, Lord, where, Dad, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? And he says, the Lord himself will provide a lamb. 
Isaac's question never got answered until you get to the New Testament. When John writes, behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. None of the other Gospels mention the word Lamb, only the Gospel of John. And here, it says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And he says in verse 7, let not that man, the doubting person, suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. And then he says, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Could you imagine calling somebody to their face double-minded? Almost like Barney Mac is going to be a situation here, you know? <laughs> Just imagine telling somebody you're double-minded something. That's probably fighting words in most arenas, you know? He says, look, you ask for wisdom, don't doubt. If you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man, that doubting persons to oppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because you're praying and worrying at the same time. So you believe your circumstances is greater than the Lord. Some people think their circumstances is greater than the Lord. This is so big. God can't fix this one. He can't do nothing in this one. What God do you believe in? We talking about the God who spoke the world into existence we're talking about the God who know the stars by name. Our Lord who fed the 5,000, gave sight to the blind. Is anything too hard for God? The only way it becomes too hard for God is when we doubt and get in the way of God. And sometimes despite us, he still does what he want to do. You know, sometimes life circumstances can teach you whether you want to be taught or not. They can teach you. He says he is a double-minded. This word duplicity, it literally means double soul or double man, indicating a man of divided loyalty. You know, John Bunyan calls him in you know, Pilgrim's Progress. He says, Mr. Facing Both Ways. <laughs> Mr. Facing both ways. And that's something. The double-minded person cannot make up his mind. This is the person who comes to a fork in a road and he cannot choose in what direction he should go. So he perishes at the crossroad of life. You know, Edward McKendry, we, we know him as E.M. Bounds. One of his quotes was, when trust is perfect, there is no doubt. When completely trust in the Lord, there's no doubt. There's no room for the word and doubt and trust to be in the same category. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not towards your own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. If we quoted that verse and we wrote that verse, we said, trust in the Lord sometime. Lean towards your understanding most of the time. And when you can't figure it out, then you go to the Lord. That's the way we think. Life is always moving. And if we are, you know, those type of people who are at a standstill, life is continually moving. We will vacillate if we just stand still. 
is always moving. Uncertainty and doubt. Life itself will make this decision with for us, you know, whether we're ready or not. Because there are some trials that happen, you don't have a control of them. And when they come, you don't have a lot of decisions but to trust the Lord. You don't have nothing but the Lord. And that's everything. He's a double-minded man, unstable. Unstable, it means restless in a sense. Are you restless today about something? Is God testing you with something? And he says, oh, pray and ask for wisdom. He said, I would ask for wisdom, but things not going fast enough for me. I would trust him in this one, but this seemed like it's way too big. I don't know. God, I know God can do some things, but I don't know about this one. Really? And all of us could be there. Don't think none of us are so super spiritual that we can't be there. We can come to a place, a fork in the road, where God says, are you going to trust me or you're not? And you can look at those things in the eye and say, oh, Lord, I don't, <laughs> you know, you can think about, could you trust him or are you going to doubt? I can imagine Moses being at the Red Sea and God said, okay, stretch out your staff. <laughs> would you would have ever thought that the Red Sea would open up for you? Well, who would have thought that? This is not plan B or plan C. This is plan God. I like plan God better than plan A, B, and C. I don't know about you. Give me plan God. Because plan God is always something we would have never thought of. Oh, give me plan B. No, I know plan God is better than anything for me. He says this man is unstable, not in some of his ways, in all of his ways. You don't know that person. You don't know what that person might do under trials. That's a double-minded person. You don't know what they may do. They may go over the deep end. You don't know what this person might do. And you're trying to figure it all out. You don't know what they might do. You know, they say, well, you know, you don't understand. Look, man, look, I'm going through this thing here today, man. I'm like, you know, I've been praying and praying and I'm not hearing from the Lord. I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, that means you wait and watch. I don't know what the Lord is saying. Wait and watch. Be still, it says in Psalm 46.10 and know that I'm God. Be still. I don't like trials. I don't invite them in my life. You know, I don't want no trials. Look, I don't, want, I don't wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you know, I wish you just gave me some more trials. I don't want no trials. I don't know anybody here who wants trials. Nobody is volunteering, Lord, give me some trouble. I don't want them. But I do know I can ask for wisdom in the midst. And I could pray. And I could say, Lord, you said you're God. You said you can make me, you know, perfect me in this. Perfect me for what? To be looking more like Christ in it. Because some stuff we won't act like Christ in, you know? You just won't act like Christ. So you got to ask for wisdom. You can sometimes, I used to ask this question, Lord, if this one thing happened, this is how I know I would act. But I don't want the one thing to happen. None of y'all never flipped out before? Oh, yes, some of y'all did flip out before. You can just do that in traffic, you know. 
Somebody run you off the road. First, you like, praise the Lord, I love Jesus in the morning. Leave the house, nice devotion, praying, tears running down your face, and your heart is just soft. And you get right in traffic, and somebody swerve you off the road. You dumb idiot, how could you do that? Because we can change like that. One person can change your day if you let them. If you let them. Are you doubting God today in the midst of whatever you're going through? You know, you can ask for wisdom and his plan will unfold because wisdom it unfolds his plan. It unfolds his wisdom. Sometimes it don't make a lot of sense, but it's unfolded before our eyes. And you know what happens? I can imagine James. He's the Lord brother. And he's right these pages as he put this quill to the papyrus, and he writes, tears streaming on his face, old camel knees he was called. He would be stoned not shortly after this letter. And I couldn't imagine him saying, I grew up with a brother who had perfect wisdom. He was my friend. He loved me. Even when we mocked him, made fun of him, he loved us. I've seen wisdom on display. I've never seen my brother doubt. I've never seen doubt in his life. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? But he never doubted the plan of the Father. And neither should we doubt him. Don't doubt the Lord. Know that he loves you. No matter what season you are in life, know that he loves you. There are seasons, they come and they go, but know that he loves you. Don't doubt his love. Don't doubt his way. Because you'll miss a whole lot of things that he's trying to do in your heart. And I know, and he says, look, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, not to some, all of us, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. We walk by faith and not by sight. Don't go by what it looked like. Don't go by that. You go by what it looked like, you'll start putting your feelings in it. Don't go by that. You ever seen somebody bake something? I remember one time being over somebody's house and they baked something. And it didn't look all that good. I was like, oh, man. I said, you want something? I'm like, yeah. You know, you don't want to tell people no. I was like, I don't know, man. And I said, I don't, know, I don't look that good. This is no taste and see that the Lord is good. But I, I'm looking at it. I said, I don't want to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know? And they said, oh, this is really good. And you know, they put it before, and you're like, oh, God, man. Just... And then you taste it. He said, oh, my God, this is good. It didn't look that good, but, man, this is good. You know, the girl said, oh, it fell in the oven. You know how the eaters fall in the oven, the cake sometimes. But it was so good. Don't look at things of eye value. 
Trust the Lord. Don't be like Peter when the Lord says, why did you doubt? Oh, ye little of faith. Peter should have kept asking, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. But Lord, please, Lord, you know, don't let me focus on nothing but you. You know, he could have kept, should have kept saying that. Let me just focus on you, Lord. Now I don't want to see the wind. I don't want to see the waves. I want to, Lord, let me focus on you. Let me just come to you, Lord. Let me just walk to you. And that story would have been a lot different. You want wisdom? He gives us wisdom. But it got to be requested or petitioned in faith. Amen. Tis so sweet.